0: podcast from the St. Andrews Economist. My name is Elliot Bavitsis, and today I'm speaking with John Belger-Heath about the wider implications of the war in Ukraine on the United Kingdom. John, how are you today?
1: I'm good, Elliot. Thanks. I'm, I'm glad to be here today and hope to give a bit of an insight into what I think about the conflicts at the moment and its influence on the UK.
0: Absolutely. From what we've discussed before leading up to this, uh, you definitely have an interesting perspective that I believe you know <laughs> we, should, we, should, we should discuss because it's I think it's, it's an angle that obviously is, is being is being ignored and obviously the you know justified hysteria of war um so i guess i guess um uh, you know the impacts impacts of this Ukrainian the war in ukraine on the united kingdom i think it, go, it goes back a few years obviously because i and what we discussed leading up to this uh discussion we we're having today is you know where does russia's influence fit into the uk what can what, what can we say about that where where does that fit into this equation of where we are right now
1: so I think at the moment, um, like Russia's had a lot more of an influence over the past ten years. So I think you know if we look back to things like the Crimea and sort of with Brexit and you know even looking over to overseas to America, Russia is getting a lot more aggressive, and there's been a lot more of an influence from Russia in, in you know into many countries now. Um, and I think Britain is a very key part of this, as it's always been the sort of foothold, the cousins to America, mm-hmm. and it's always that intermediary between America and Europe. And I think at the moment Russia's influence on it is heavily changed what's happening in the UK I mean we, we've started to see now reports coming out you know if you look over to America Mueller's report that came out in 2016-2017 you know, mm-hmm. and you know it was clear indication that Russia had influence and then looking now to the UK you know we've had Brexit where it's been the influence and sort of in the fact of the elections we, we don't actually know the extent and you know there's been recent reports that have come out now that have said that we're almost actively not investigating I think it brings to question the validity almost of what, what is going on in the UK anymore are we still governing ourselves or as the influence got so great, I mean, looking at Brexit for example, as I was saying, it's the, the I mean, it was fifty percent. We were on the border almost of going and not going. And right. how, what what effect has like the social media campaigns had on you know mm-hmm. turning the tides of that? Yeah. Um, and I think as well, going back to what I was saying about you know UK being an integral part of sort of like Europe and the you know the defence that it's had is you know we've always been a big player in NATO in the EU. And after leaving the EU, what sort of effect has that now had on Europe as a whole? I mean as you know NATO is the military part of it which we are still part of however the EU was so you know increasingly becoming you know the laws that we were getting sort of the regulations that we were having the uh, you know international connections that we were getting with the EU and now we've left that sort of what implications does that have now for the whole of Europe and the security of Europe against sort of the big threat like of Russia, which yes. we're seeing at the moment now. And, you know, with the Ukraine, you know, trying to get into the EU straight away, I mean, it kind of illustrates maybe the security that's needed. Mm-hmm. That's
0: interesting. And also, I mean, so, because of these reasons and have manifested over the past 10, uh, I'd say 10 years is a good time, time frame to look at. Uh, what is, I guess, so clearly for the Russian elite and you know, whether it's Vladimir Putin's inner circle the oligarchs or anyone really who's russian and has has money <laughs> um in the united kingdom seems to be it's almost a state that's useful useful to them uh whether it's the city of london or just the connectedness connectedness that uh you know united united kingdom offers to the rest of the world through it's just true through, through what what's what's what what the united kingdom is uh, what would you say? What would, what would you? What would you say? That why is why has Russia almost taken a strategic interest in the United Kingdom?
1: Well, I think it comes down to London and the laws around it. So I mean, we've heard the phrases that have been passed on over the past five years of yeah. London Grad and Moscow upon mm-hmm. Thames, and you know, it, it it seems kind of funny and almost a joke, but realistically, like it really has become that. I mean, for example, um, a report by the Guardian found out that there's now eighty five thousand shell homes in the UK, which so, so sorry, not shell homes. Um, homes that are owned by shell companies so they're companies that we we don't know who actually owns these and you know at the moment we we can look at so many different reports now at the moment of how much money's been pumped through London because of its sort of lax laws and the fact of like quite a lot of times now there can be like visas just waived you know for certain members so um, for example I was reading I think um, about a a Russian DJ that had had their visas just granted automatically and it was yeah. there's quite the, the laws around it are very lax to what they should be and I think the ease of people to come from outside the UK and come in is positive in the sense that you know it promotes economic growth but equally you know you've got money being washed at the moment in yeah. London like there's so many of these expensive homes that are simply just assets for these rich Russians yeah. and I think as well if we're looking at this now with the money being put through London it's think thing of you know, if we're devaluing the ruble, is that actually having an effect on the Russian oligarchs? Or is this just, you know, hitting the poor in Russia? And I think that's a very important thing to remember. It's like, are all these measures we're doing actually, you know, affecting the people that we want it to affect?
0: That's that's a very good, good point. And also just, just uh, you know, you, you, between the United Kingdom and uh, in Russia, you know, there's obviously things really hit low point after the Salisbury poisoning. Uh, that, that, that was, I think, that I would consider that the... The wake up, the wake up point when the British government really, you know, started taking, you know, taking Russia as more as a geopolitical uh, threat, I guess, in its public discourse. Because I mean, if you read the past, uh, you know, what defense white papers from uh, the British government in the past few years, Russia has been listed in a, listed as the top national security threat. But you know, only I think since maybe twenty sixteen ish, you know, that's become you know part of the uh, the the line. And the stance that the British government, British successive British, British governments have taken, whether it's Theresa May or uh, now Boris Johnson's government. So with with that, uh, what and and obviously we can see why the United Kingdom is so attractive to you know the Russian government and the Russian Russian elite. But what do, what do they what do they stand to gain from it other than? an easy way to wash money? Is is there, is influence in the United Kingdom, how, how and obviously back to what you're saying at the beginning of when we start talking about, you know, the United Kingdom's role in the international system. Yeah. How do those two
1: connect? So I, I think, you know, we have this common sentiment and I think there's, there's a garden article that sums it up um, perfectly. So if I just read you a bit of an extract from that Sure, there. go ahead. Um, so it has, it says, It's generally assumed that Russians often pump their rubles into our society because they crave social respectability. On the contrary, it has long been part of a systematic attempt to destabilise our institutions, most notably our parliament, press and democracy. And I think this perfectly sums up what we're looking at now. It's the fact of, you know, we've been taught for almost 10 years now that, you know, Russia's so far behind. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not a credible threat. They're trying to, you know, they want to be like us, the West. When in reality, they're not. They've been very smart about it and, you know, they are influenced in our parliament I mean recently if you look sort of uh, co-chairman of the Conservative Party has now had ties linked to Russia with Russian oligarchs and funding and it's sort of everything quite recently now which is stemming from Ukraine is kind of bringing everything to light of oh wait we actually have got so much sort of external influence that we've not realised mm-hmm. um, and I think as well sort of touching upon the whole of society, like it's not just sort of the level of you know they're washing the money like with the London grad. they're also yeah. they've got that social part as well now you know they're They're sort of not friends with, but they've got, you know, agreements and stuff. So you can see now there's quite a lot of um, articles that I'm I'm reading um, at the moment in the light of Ukraine, which is about, oh, um, these startups have had external funding that, you know, they've had agreements of, oh, well, if we give you, you know, 30 million, um, well, as long as we're on the boards and, you know, you make sure you fund these, you have, there's a lot of these agreements that are just you know, very beneficial for Russians. And quite a lot of the time, it's not actually brought to light that Russians are funding these these companies. I mean, for example, with um, sort of the political parties at the moment, there's a lot of external funding that we don't actually know where it comes from because sometimes it's not actually declared. And I think it's just, it's really brought to light recently that how sort of dependent are we on these external sources? Yes. And sort of, you know, what is this external influence and to what extent is it now?
0: And is this external influence... Uh, would you say it's a? I mean, because it's it's obviously this is is long long standing. Uh, I mean, this is a long standing, uh, I guess, problem. You know, for example, example, you know, oligarch, all ol- Russian oligarchs have been high profile you know, in the kingdom for you know more, more than uh, I'd say twenty years. You know, ever since the collapse of the Soviet Union. So, is this actually a vulnerability in the British political system that, that the oligarchs? have now exploited or is this is this a uh, you know just a modern ethical ethical dilemma that this these especially the
1: recent british governments have faced yeah I, I mean i think it's a bit of both i think the thing is like it is the classic dilemma of you know everyone wants to make money yeah it's the of classic. As, as you know i mean everyone wants to make money and but it's kind of the way we've gone about it now i think there are some things that we've just kind of let slip by and i think for example if you look there's Arms dealers now that have been able to you know raise millions on the London Stock Exchange, mm-hmm. and it's that what Why is this being allowed? Obviously, we want to have you know international connections and international trade, but to what extent are we now allowing people to trade on our you know stocks? And you know, have we actually sort of got a bit too soft on it now? And what we're actually allowing like these people that you know they've got very co- close connections with Putin and close connections with military companies. These are the people that are sort of directly influencing these wars and you know with, with Ukraine and like yeah. Crimea, like. We've actually seen these direct connections between people that are making money on our stock exchanges, yeah. and also influencing the companies that are causing all this terror. And it's, i think it just brings the ethical question of, like, you know, how, how much is too much?
0: Yep, yeah, that's that's a good point. And also, uh, obviously, after the Brexit referendum, the British role in the European Union and continental Europe has been minimized. But and I'd ask you, and I'd ask, I'd ask you uh, about this that as well, because um, you know, the United Kingdom does not really have a dependency on Russia comparable to, say, a nation like Germany, for, for example, but also, even just economically, there's no land border. How does that make the United Kingdom uh, unique, Unique in a sense, with the relationship with Russia and. Also and also and also how's it I guess different from the Europeans in that respect, continental Europeans.
1: Yeah, I mean I think as as you say you perfectly summed up, you know, the UK is it's an island. We we yes. are connected, we haven't got land borders, you know, we are quite we're separated. We, you know, we have the whole of Europe between us and Russia. And I think As as, as a nation, you know, we're kind of doing all right. I mean, the only thing that we have is the external influence through sort of like the social and, you know, as I say, the money getting pumped through. But I think if, you know, we're looking at like Ukraine at the moment, you know, I don't think we face a threat threat like that. I don't think we face like a direct invasion. However, Mm -hmm. I think for Europe, it's the thing now of... The UK has always had that special relationship with America. Yes. We've always been, you know, the cousins across the pond. And yeah. I think now that we've left the EU and sort of there's, you know, a growing almost anti-EU sentiment. I mean, sort of if you look in the wake of Brexit with, um, you know, trucks, stuff can't get across the channel, you know, increasing prices and you know everything. It's the thing of will we be sort of still wanting to get involved in these conflicts now? I mean, as you see, like with Ukraine, it's a clear example. Like you know, we have the facilities to sort of help out, and I know you know we're not the only ones that aren't actually sending help. But mm-hmm. you know, are we going to sort of in the future be so you know inclined to get involved in these European issues? Because you know we're not we're not Europe anymore. We we are still part of Europe, but like we're not part of the EU. We're not sort of we haven't got as I'd say a close enough connections we did before. Yeah. Um. So I think yeah, as I said, like, I think the the part that UK plays now is that. Are we going to still be as active in sort of European politics as we were in the past?
0: Right, and also that's a the security. You know, the United Kingdom historically has this. I would say just just as a, you know we talked about you know the ethical dilemma of London and Russian money in it. There's also just historically as a security dilemma, the United Kingdom has always just had to choose between you know security of its inter, its international position or the security of Europe, and obviously. Especially when there's major conflict in Europe, you know, the United Kingdom consistently chooses the security of Europe over its international, its security of its international supply chains or its, um, you know, in historical times, its uh, its trade links, and 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 any countries that may choose to associate with itself. How, uh, is where does where, where does is this just a especially this crisis and war in Ukraine. Now, does that, is, this, is the United Kingdom going to have to choose to co- grow closer to Europe, even though it's spent, whether it may be maliciously or not due to Russian influence, you know, exiting from the European project, it's going to have to learn to love Europe again.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good point. So it's sort of the thing of, you know, a year ago, two years ago, we were sort of thinking of we've left the block now. Yeah. I mean, that was the whole sort of phrase, you know, we've gone now. But I think, as you say, it brings back into the perspective. Of, are we going to have to, like, now join in? I mean one of the big things I think you know is sort of we've looked sort of three years ago so when we were, you know in the process of Brexit sort of the frictions because uh, between like information being shared between agencies now yes I mean it's it's a very big point with um, national security in the sense of that if we haven't got that fluid information transfer that we did in the past are we now going to be more open to sort of external attacks and I think mm-hmm. what we may be seeing in the future is maybe more connections with places like Australia and Japan and America whereas I don't know if we'll have that sort of Data transfer between the UK and you know sort of it the, the its European neighbours sort of like France and Germany. Yeah. Well,
0: the other thing with that is,
1: uh,
0: and the, and I guess goes going deeper into that whole security dilemma Europe or the rest of the world, the United Kingdom has, uh, is s- security security wise the you know in, cause, you know because you know we we when we talk about the United States and its own security dilemmas, we like to say, oh, they got two oceans between them. Uh, you know, a, a docile neighbor to the north and Mexico to the south, which they fought a war with hundreds of years ago and never, most likely never fight a war with again. So, um, and and so they, you know, the United States, and you even hear in rhetoric in the American press, you know, has a reason to not care about Europe. So, um, and then, and the rest, and the rest of the world, you know, nations like Australia and yeah. Japan perhaps only care about it for uh, monetary reasons, economics, not necessarily the fact that they it's it's truly important to them on a, a level of their national psyche so does the united kingdom even though it's in this it's a uh, you know divorced from you know the european bloc does it also have is this is this crisis forcing the united kingdom also to find a a new
1: niche in the european project, even though legally it's not part of it yeah um i think we we do need to start like getting our international connections back and i think yes i think that's what we have now if i'm being honest i think now we've left the eu and we've sort of as i was saying we're growing apart now i think mm-hmm. we need to sort of re-establish where we are in the world i mean you know we have a, we are a very economic we, we have a large economic prosperity here like you know we've got the fifth largest gdp however do we do we have that sort of international impact as we did in the past i think mm-hmm. we need to sort of reevaluate evaluate where we are in the world i think the, the key thing is now i think we need to make sure we still make a part of like nato and sort of or other deals now with other countries, and sort of reestablish that we are still like a world power, but we need to reassess that. Because I yes. think at the moment, it, we could end up sort of seeing ourselves slowly drift behind. And as I was saying, like with the Russian report that came out in the UK, we are lagging behind now. We so sort of, we've seen that our actual security isn't keeping up with places like Russia and China. And we've seen this consistently now over the past 10 years. And I think we need to start quite quickly now reestablishing them relationships with other countries.
0: Yeah. And that's actually interesting answer because... Uh, in this modern age of diplomacy, you know, it's clear that like the way the Western countries have countered Russia for their aggression in Ukraine Has there's we've other than selling or giving weapons to the Ukrainian army. There's been no open conflict It's been an economic war. It's been there's been words have been said, but the real crunch is being felt, you know with with without really um, a single boot on the ground from a Western military so and and this and i guess that re- relates to the united kingdom and international order because you're not uh you know being a, a world power is actually probably a very different definition now and what would you say what would you say to that because the united kingdom clearly has found some sort of some sort of place now in you know influence in global politics past brexit and this united you know, ukraine crisis has been a great impetus for that but I guess how does that, how how is this going to define the way that the you United know, Kingdom acts as a power in the world stage, and how we even define great powers in the future?
1: So I think now that we are, as, like with with powers, we are seeing to like you know readjust now. I mean, yeah. it's not the classic sort of U.S., U.K., Russia as it was in the past. I think you know we're seeing powers like China now because I mean they're mm-hmm. becoming a lot more self sufficient. There's sort of there's a lot more growth going on there, and I think everything is readjusting. And I think, um, sorry, I like, am. Um, like the UK now is playing a lot different role than it played in the past. So, I mean, if you look back, you know, 60, 70 years, you know, we're still part of um, the Commonwealth and we had a lot more sort of expanse, whereas now we have to redefine ourselves as like we are this, we are a little country. I mean, we obviously we've got a lot going for us. However, we haven't got that sort of the size of Russia or the size of like um, China and the size of the US. I think now we need to play that role of actually finding sort of a companion almost. Right. I, I think as, as a sort of a nation on our own, we just haven't got the you know the resources and so mm -hmm. so i think one of the key things as well like which i think we're all feeling at the moment is the thing with oil as well i think that's true i think we've done very well in the sense that we you know we 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 don't have a dependence on russian oil but i think maybe we could start to use this as an advantage i mean obviously um, oil is now a short term i think sort of growth prospect because eventually we are going to need to transition to like electric vehicles and stuff However, I think it could be in our advantage at the moment to use this to, you know, sort of set up deals, set up bargains because, you know, we only have 3% of our oil from Russia and if we start actually using this asset we have, mm-hmm. sort of, you know, shipping it out to the, con- um, to the continent, sort of to Europe, sort of making more deals, we could use this to our advantage mm-hmm. now to sort of redefine opposition in europe
0: yeah that's another thing is that you know just talking about uh, i guess the modern modern great power because this you know whether we want to admit it or not this crisis in ukraine for not only for the united kingdom for the entire world is a is, a, is this going to be a shift in how we define things like great powers and diplomacy right it's, it's, change, it's going to change a lot uh, i think we're not going to realize the consequences of it for a few years but also, also, it's uh, you know maybe maybe this is does the United Kingdom perhaps stand to benefit from a, a return to uh, m- more than just a, to a multipolar world order and also where you know strategic partnerships is the way of achieving your interest, interests rather than uh, military alliances or uh, you know allowing the 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 free market to bind your countries together through trade.
1: Um, I think we could stand to benefit, yeah. but I think at the moment we're just so lacking far behind. Mm-hmm. I think there's a. Um,
0: Where exactly would you say we're well, lag- you so lacking? well? So I think
1: behind? firstly, as I've been mentioned already, it's like the security aspect. Yes. I mean, we we've said ourselves in, a, in the Russia report, and I know I keep coming mm-hmm. back to it, but like it was a massive thing that came out, and in that we, we literally saw that our own services like you know, secret services, and bits, have recognised that we are behind. We're not keeping up with other nations and. This has led to, you know, external influence in stuff mm. like elections and yeah. sort of referendums, and I think we need to definitely up this. I mean, I think we, the way we have to do this though is with sort of talking to other nations. We can't do this on our own. I think mm. we need to make sure that we we've got them international connections, they're sort of shared data between continents. I think that's what's needed to, incre- you know, sort of repair that security that we've lost. Um, and I think also as well, like touched on the economic growth. I think we need to start trying to find something that we can sort of improve, as I said, we've got a large GDP, but I think if we want to sort of be one of the big hitters, one of the big competitors, we need to sort of readjust. I mean, as, as sort of everyone knows at the moment, the world is changing now. We're not oh, sort of, absolutely. we're not in the the world of, you know, oil controls, everything. I mean, at the moment, obviously it is, but this is short-term effect. It's, you know, when you start looking at um, sort of, for example, the mining industry, I mean, we've got um, a lot of natural min- minerals, sorry, not natural minerals. We've got a lot of raw minerals and resources that are now going to be needed for the future. I mean, as, as well, sort of touching on that, for example, it is i mean ukraine has got i think it's one of the second largest deposits of raw raw minerals and metals and i think you know is maybe that strategic move by russia i mean you know we all know that we're going to need sort of more batteries in the future more efficient technologies and is this a smart play as well i mean obviously i don't think it's the sole reason why you know the ukraine conflict's going on but it there are influencing factors in it and i think we need to sort of try and remember that the world is changing we're no longer great britain you know we've got all these different countries we now need to remember that we are a smaller Mm -hmm. place we need to readjust how we almost view ourselves in the world
0: well it's it's adjusting from acting as you know the the head of a block to uh you know an individual actor with your own strengths and weaknesses uh so just i guess to to close our discussion john i pose one more question one more question to you and just looking for so looking forward uh, even though Russia is, you know, I would, I would, I would say they're on de- decline, especially after this. Just looking at the state of their economy and even how effective militarily they've been in Ukraine, but this does set precedent for the world and you know the next next few years and how how is crisis going to how our crisis is going to be handled and what the state of the international order is going to be. And I want to know what you would say to that.
1: Um, so I think I've got a little conclusion to sum that up. I'd say. Yeah. So I'd say that, in conclusion, Russia has evidently been able to influence and destabilise the UK amongst all yeah. the European countries that we've seen, um, and sort of like the US, it's, it has had a, that impact. Um, however, I think the effect that we've had on Europe's security has been minimal. I don't think the UK is as big a hit as we'd like to think we are. I think unfortunately, I mean not unfortunately, I just think realistically, mm. we aren't sort of a massive country anymore, we are sort of the little island. Um, however, I do think you know we have got a strong economic power, um, you know, we are a lead competitor on the international scale, but I think now our main benefit just comes from the relationships we have with other countries. I think that's our main benefit that we can sell. It's the fact that we have got these close connections. You know, with you know the US and also some, you know, with the UAE. We, I mean, we have got like, amazing connections, but we still have that link there that some countries yes. don't. Um, but but I think with sort of the anti-European sentiment that we're sort of almost experiencing at the moment that stemmed from like Brexit and sort of the transition that we've had, which I think has been influenced by external powers, you know, predominantly Russia, um, I think if a large conflict were to develop within non-NATO countries, like, so for example, we're seeing at the moment with Ukraine, I think we need to ask the big question of, is the UK going to help them out now? Are we going to still be that thing of, right, we'll send troops and we're going we're gonna to be this big, you know, saviour almost? Or are we going to sort of almost sit on the backbone now and say, you know, we're going to look after little Britain? Um, so I think, as I was saying, the Ukraine invasion has sort of further showed, um, like the, the thing we're experiencing at the moment of like we can all say that we've got condemnation for it, you know, mm-hmm. it, it shouldn't be going on, but we, we don't act anymore. we it's sort of the conflicts have changed. We're no longer sort of sending all these troops in ground warfare. We're kind of oh, don't do this. And I think we need to reevaluate what what we are like. Are we going to are we going to make an impact, or are we just going to let Russia almost take over um, so I think the destabilisation of the UK as I say has weakened Europe but I think it's more an intermediate step to just simply isolate Europe almost from external nations, I think as I say we play the role of connecting Europe to the US and like sort of other other countries um, and I think it's just, it sort of illustrates the decreasing sort of willingness that we have now to go against Russia and I think as I, I, think, I think to just conclude it's that we're now in a cold war which is getting increasingly warmer
0: yeah no that's a great way to say it i think
1: that that sort of <laughs> sums it up I, I'm,
0: I'm i'm with you on that so john I'm, i thank you very much for coming on very intriguing discussion very intriguing points I'm, I'm i'm glad we had this it's uh very topical and i think i think helpful for anyone who's trying to you know think about this you the war in ukraine uh you know because we know a lot about what's happening on the ground so just thinking about its wider implications and especially from the uh british perspective because the current government is trying to you know put off the image that it's punching above its weight yeah, yeah this is the successful global burden at it again right yeah so uh it's, it's a bit, this is very topical uh thank you for your time and to our listeners i will have another episode for you next week on the bulletin by the saint andrews economist